Hey everyone, welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty. Today I'm joined by the co-founder of Social Buff, Mr. William Ferreira. How are you, William? I'm very well, thank you, Stephen. Thanks for having me today. I forgot to ask, do you prefer William or Will? Um, I don't mind. I actually don't mind at all. That's what people say to me, do you prefer Stephen or Steve? And I genuinely do not mind. Uh, yeah, I mean, William's definitely made a comeback since I've hit my 20s. When I was younger, it was definitely strictly Will. Will. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I like William. It's um, it's a nice it's traditional name. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope I hope I can uh, meet meet up to those expectations. Yeah, no, I've we'll set see. the bar high with just having William <laughs> on board. Uh, yeah. But luckily, I won't ask you every question. I won't I won't say your name after every question. So, okay. so William. So William. Uh, I think that could be a bit tedious. But... Um, <laughs> Co-founder of Social Buff, tell me what is Social Buff? Marketing agency, but what do you guys do? Yeah, um, Social Buff is primarily um, digital marketing. Um, we're, we're really strong on social, but we've also started recently branching out into digital marketing and also some brand foundational work as well. Um, our core kind of proposition, though, is that we help build and scale direct-to-consumer brands. So... Um, especially over the last nine months, that's something we've honed in on. Um, so we kind of cover three core aspects, e-commerce design development, social media, um, organic marketing, and then paid advertising across uh, digital and social. You must have been predicted COVID with a <laughs> switch to focus on e-commerce. Yeah, um, we're, we're quite a new business and the, we've, we've only been uh, going for about 18 months and me and my co-founder over the first year, um, because we've run other businesses in the past, we had kind of the luxury of having loads of different clients on board from our network and didn't really have a niche. And then COVID kind of forced us to make that decision, build a better brand proposition and hone in on one kind of focus and and a unique selling point and it's worked really well for us um and obviously we've been one of the really fortunate ones during covid to um have actually grown um massively in in team size and and client portfolio because of covid so yeah we've been very lucky um but yeah it's um it's definitely helped us also mold ourselves as a an agency within the the space and be a little bit more unique to Mm. the, the consumer need Really good. 18 months ago then, when you decided about Social Buff, how did you decide, you know, you mentioned you weren't that niche, but how did you decide what to focus on? Because again, I said it before we went live, but it it seems like every man and their dog is is starting up a marketing agency or trying to get into marketing. How did you differentiate yourself from that day one? Um, It was pretty much 100% to do with my personal brand and Aaron's personal brand, my co-founder. Um, previously to launching Social Buff, we had both run agencies. One, Aaron's was an SEO agency, mine was a creative agency. Um, I then exited my agency and went on to consult for uh, startups and fast-growing FMCG brands. And Aaron also launched a tech application. So um, alongside that, we also did a lot of public speaking um, and build some fairly good networks within uh, the FMCG space, the tech space, as well as the the startup sector as a whole. So when we went to actually merge, um, Social Buff was originally founded by Aaron three months prior to me joining. And I had kind of like a consultancy agency and that was kind of a, um, a growth marketing consultancy firm for startups. 
um, we merged and basically just joined our networks together. So any existing clients from those two businesses prior to us merging then went into kind of one portfolio. And that's where it then became quite difficult to determine a niche because Aaron at the time was only doing, I think, performance marketing, so paid social for lead generation um, for service-based companies. And then I was doing mainly direct consumer consulting, building direct consumer structures and, and models for existing brands or helping start new new direct consumer brands. So um, we kind of had to have quite a fluid structure to who we serviced. And then over the last uh, year, especially 2019, as we built our team, the team's experience was mainly direct consumer lifestyle and FMCG focus. So naturally, we kind of grew into that niche. Um, and then COVID forced us to um, make the decision to, to use that as our, our brand proposition and kind of our, our sales pitch. We've been very lucky, though, uh, prior to COVID that all of our business was network and referral driven. And um, actually, it wasn't really until this year that we started doubling down on our sales, um, cold outreach or lead generation to bring in more business within that niche. You started to hire yourself, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess so. I guess so, yeah. It's interesting. What, what's, what I'm curious about is, you know, if Aaron started Social Chain, you came in three months later. What what is mm -hmm. what was it about social chain that made you think social buff? Oh, sorry, don't, don't get that mixed up. <laughs> oh my god, social chain! It's definitely not the there news. yet. It's because yeah, the definitely news. not there yet. Um, not yet, yeah. You will be. It's there definitely yet. a problem with the name, though, isn't it? Um, is there's it? a lot of. Yeah, I don't know. Does that there's a lot? lot of agencies who? Yeah, I mean, we we've definitely had discussions about our name, and the only yeah. reason we haven't changed it is because um, it isn't going to be the defining brand or business yeah. um in our strategy and i i can um i guess i can um bring more um uh more kind of thought into that further down the line in terms of why we launched the agency and what mm -hmm. our goals are um further than just building a normal agency yeah. like um and be, being part of that rat race that we were talking about prior to we weren't yeah. we went yeah. live um but the, yeah the agency was always built to be a stepping stone it wasn't mm -hmm. built to be the defining business for us and really because of our experience having previous agencies it was more of a case of um repeating a model that we already had a lot of experience in um and being really specific on what we utilize social buffers and engine for um and that's kind of why um social buff is very very kind of um finely tuned in terms of exactly how it's run and operated yeah. and what what its purpose is what have you done differently for you as a founder then with a uh, social buff um i've definitely flipped the model on its head my previous agency was very traditional um we were all in one physical space um i had a lot of experience working in other agencies um, more traditional agencies and prior to launching it um, so I had a very kind of set mindset on how the business needed to be run. And then when I exited and went to work as a consultant, it was a laptop lifestyle for almost two years. And um, I did a lot of traveling and I was able to kind of understand a, a different way of living. Um, in the marketer's dream. <laughs> yeah, I guess well, some would say. Dream, some would like say entrepreneurial that. dream, right? Like, yeah. There's so many yeah. people out. I think that like nomadic lifestyle. 
mm. is so advertised now uh, and people it really is. just try and crave it. Obviously with COVID, a lot of people realise that they can do things remote. Mm. Um, for you, what was it that made you think it was time to time to come back to London, time to start building this? It, it, I guess the reason why I went nomad in the first place was I did three years um, non-stop uh, for my first startup and I, I came straight I dropped out of university to launch my first business and I pretty much didn't do anything apart from work seven days a week for those three years. So when I exited and I had a little bit of cash in, in the bank and I had some clients come to me and say that we want you to consult uh, remotely via laptop, it was an opportunity for me to almost take my gap year or to take um, that kind of time where I had a little bit more freedom to do what I wanted to do. Just take a breather. Um, personally and take a breather and it did take a lot of resetting to do um so when we went to launch social buff i immediately wanted a better work-life balance i wanted to be in more control of um my day-to-day and also the the business but given that i think there's there's a couple of things that a lot of people forget and um one of the biggest um i guess lessons i learned very quickly when i left left my first business is my net sorry oh, notifications back. were off as well um yeah sorry so um my um my kind of core lesson that i learned was my network that i had spent three years building with my first business dropped off almost within a year And that was one of the things where I definitely needed um, that kind of reality check to realize that you still have to fuel the fire in some way. um, And it's really important to continue to do so. So London, even though we were remote um, and me being based in London, I could uh, work from home. It still gave me the opportunity to tap into a network, fuel that fire and kind of build the relationships I needed to build to be able to grow the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also because my co-founder lived in uh, London. It meant that the two of us could work more closely together on building that business. So um, th- mainly for me, that was the reason. The other thing is a lot of people, um, when they get into the habit of re- remote working, I feel like they t- take their foot off the pedal slightly. And when you're in an atmosphere that's fast paced, you also move fast pace. So there's definitely a direct correlation to uh, me being a remote worker and the speed of my business when I was remote working mm-hmm. in comparison to when I was in London and how quickly it grew when I was in London. Do you think there's a sweet spot then? You can get that balance for you. I mean, for you personally, because there's also so many stories about actually the opposite of that when people figure out their perfect sort of home setup, they end up working a lot more. Yeah, um, I definitely like being in control of my environment. And um, when I'm, I guess, when I'm working by myself, I work a lot more efficiently, where a lot of other people work really well, when they're in an environment in a good working environment with a good company culture, they work better, and that Mm -hmm. other people's energy fuels them. I'm a balance. Um, I'm a massive introvert, but also I get easily distracted. So when I'm working, it's got to be phone off notification should have been off um and uh absolutely no distractions whatsoever um i you know i i um, am very regimented with the way i work in my day-to-day and if i'm if i'm not then it's actually really difficult for me to get a lot of work done so 
when I was in my first business and there was 12 of us in the office, I didn't do any work nine to five because I was helping everyone else and I was kind of being the support system for everyone else. And then um, five o'clock to midnight is when I actually did my work. So that's definitely something I didn't want to repeat because I didn't want to burn out uh, as, a, as I did the first time. Did you realize that first time you were doing that? Did you realize that's what you were doing in that moment? Was that sort of a, a comfortable thing that you, you were happy with? Or is it only really after the fact when you took that breather and you look back and you realize actually, what was I doing there? No, actually, I was one of those people that felt like they probably weren't putting enough enough work into um, their business. And um, I, I was obsessive, to be honest. I really was obsessive about, um, you know, the growth of the business and it was everything and anything to me. Mm-hmm. So at the time, it was really, really um, uh, kind of disciplined focus on that and I I really felt like I was running off um, this kind of adrenaline for almost three years but then when it got to kind of the end of the three years and actually when I exited the business I just crashed and that must have been such a weight off your shoulders that you didn't know was there yes exactly and it was becoming more apparent to people around me and I think that was the main thing is whether you're going through any kind of personal issue um uh, mentally or physically um you sometimes aren't aware of it mm, and definitely. uh i started seeing from my family kind of the last six months of that um where uh people started making comments on my physical health my mental health um you know the fact that i was isolating myself and only doing that one thing and yeah. in some cases to grow a successful business you do have to have a high level of discipline but at the same time you've got to understand what you're doing it for mm-hmm. and if it's you know, if you don't have time to invest in your family, your friends, and actually enjoy the life that you're building for yourself, then you've got to have that reality check. Yeah. And for me, that was really, really important. How then moving, you know, with social buff, how have you made sure that obviously you're in that right headspace, you're being the best founder you can be for the growth that is still there without going to the extreme of working? It sounds like you were literally working like 20 hour days. Yeah, um, I, I think, again, the same as you need to be really disciplined to to build a business and have that kind of core focus, you need to be really disciplined with your routine um, and understand that actually if you put a huge amount of work into something on a day-to-day basis and you're putting you know huge amounts of hours in, um, you're burning the candle at both ends. And eventually you will crash so the same as an athlete does you've got to treat and i think entrepreneurs are becoming the new athletes in some sense and they are starting to be treated like that where you've got to be able to operate at very high and consistent level um and to achieve that it's all about what you the work you put in behind the scenes so making sure that you're you're putting health and wellness as number one priority um, making sure that you're taking enough time to yourself to to reflect, to read, to, to educate yourself. Um, and actually, over the last two years, um, what I've been able to do is actually achieve a lot more in a short amount of time um, in my day-to-day than previously. So I, if I were to compete against myself five years ago, I could probably achieve in a four-hour work block what my younger self achieved in, in a day yeah. Uh, a full day of working um so it's just about optimizing yourself and really understanding what your strengths are yeah, um 100%. and that's definitely been the the main thing that i've had to learn 
uh, throughout this process is, you know, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? Let's capitalize on those strengths and be the best uh, version of myself instead of trying to be something I'm not. Mm. And finding great people who can do the stuff that you're not great at um, to allow you to go to the next to the next kind of stage of your growth um, and and be a lot more efficient with your input and output to, to your business. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, and it's one of those sad facts almost that you kind of have to go through those hard times to realize exactly that. You know, if you, if you didn't sell and you carried on doing what you were doing, you probably would have had a much harsher burnout or realization than what you did do but still going through that process of getting away having those two years of that nomadic lifestyle allowing yeah. you to figure out what you want I guess at the end of the day isn't it yeah absolutely and also during that period I was living a lifestyle that I thought I wanted mm. and that a lot of people I know in their 20s 30s 40s really want to achieve um uh, you know, I had achieved some sort of financial freedom. I was living a very nice lifestyle and I had built a very good, um, uh, I guess, um, living environment with friends and, um, and, and kind of community around where I was working. And immediately I realized leaving that is the complete opposite to what I actually really wanted, uh, where a lot of people strive to have the materialistic things in life and strive to have that kind of respect and that reputation especially even in a small community where i was previously um and actually i i didn't feel fulfilled at all but a lot of people around me were striving to achieve exactly that thing that i was experiencing so it's also understanding what you want out of the experience i think a lot of people when they start businesses, it's for a couple of different reasons. Sometimes it's out of passion for something. Sometimes it's out of necessity, like financial reasons. And I think more and more people are doing it out of financial reasons, but then they realize when they get to that goal that they've been striving for, they realize that it was never something that was going to fulfill them. Um, and actually the people who are really passionate about something and launch the business out of passion um, are normally feeling a lot more fulfilled throughout the whole journey, yeah. um, even if it doesn't um, you know, weigh up financially at that period, it might do in the future, and they're happy with that. Um, and that's something else I've had to learn is to enjoy the journey a bit more um, and understand that it is a process. Do you think it's made you a better business owner, founder? I think it's just it's made me... Um, I, I like to think of it. Yeah, I, I think it definitely has helped me be a more well-rounded individual, um, you know, with work and personal life. Um, I feel like I'm a lot more patient um, and I'm a lot more understanding of it's better to, to go the distance together instead of alone. And when I say that, that doesn't just mean your team in your business. That means with your family, your partner, your friends, um, because you want to reflect 10 years later on that experience and, and have people around you who experienced it with you and who were able to be a part of it instead of you being by yourself with a healthy bank account and really no one to share it with. Um, so yeah, it's definitely made me more well-rounded a hundred percent. That's fantastic to hear. So social buff, you know, you mentioned that you've set this up to be a, a stepping stone to something larger for you. Where's, where's it going? What do you, what's the big idea with social buff and what you guys want to do with it? 
So, so Social Buff, um, because Aaron and I had launched other businesses very similar to the same model as Social Buff, we knew what we needed to do to make it, uh, make it a successful business. Mm -hmm. um, so this time round, it was less about the learning and uh, kind of the hustle and grind to, to figure it out, which a lot of startups have to do. They have to yeah. kind of... Um, you know, uh, you know, be friend into the deep end and it? earn their stripes. Exactly. Um, with us, it was a case of, okay, this is a model. This is, um, what we can uh, set up within a two to three year period. And we're kind of on our way to hit our target of getting the agency to where we want it to be. Right. But the reality is social buff is an engine. Um, and when I say an engine is we have now got it to a stage where we have an internal resource that can entirely by itself run direct consumer brands across marketing, branding and e-commerce management. Um, so we can set up a whole direct consumer business and we can run it almost entirely with a co-founder who solely just focuses on managing the back end operation. So if it's a product based business, all they have to do is manage manufacturing and uh, fulfillment and distribution, and then do the invoicing and the finances. We manage the front end, so we can bring all of the, the consumers in, we can generate all the sales, we can do all the marketing, and eventually, we're hopefully gonna be able to do all the back end stuff that um, our partners or our clients do at the moment. Um, so what we've done is we've built this engine, and at the moment it's being fueled by clients, but be and because of COVID, our portfolio of clients have grown, but actually the reality is we can start plugging in our own businesses to be run by social buff. Um, and this is where it becomes um, the stepping stone is That's where as it becomes an interesting as a service based agency. Uh, you know, most of our revenue is uh, based upon billable hours or uh, set retainers mm -hmm. value added to the business. But some of our clients, we make uh, six figures a month in revenue and they pay us, um, you know, a small percentage of that as a, as a fee. And um, so financially, as an agency, there's only so far we can go before we kind of hit this cap where we have to either focus on raising investment to really scale up and be become a humongous agency with hundreds of employees and lots of different clients, or we can actually be more of a boutique structure where we have a 10 to 20 man team of specialists 50% of our time is invested in brands that we want to help grow um, that are already established or new startups that are coming into the market, working with entrepreneurs, investors or, uh, or founders. And um, then the other 50% is Aaron and I as co-founders building um, additional businesses that can be run by the social buff team and having a uh, additional revenue streams that's entirely managed through our own ecosystem. Um, and then the financial opportunity is a lot higher. Also, yeah. the, the control over the experience is a lot better um, because we love working with our, our clients and our partners, but there's limitations to that experience. And there's also uh, a huge amount of pressure to, to always get it right. Mm. Um, so for us to build our, our other brands, we have the opportunity to actually uh, eventually in our mind have two businesses one that has its own brand portfolio that we own and manage internally and then social buff which will be service-led and working with a select few clients that we either work on a, a retainer basis or revenue share basis which we're starting to do now that's a really great 
great uh, sort of vision to have because it also allows you to, as founders, uh, stay hot on it as well because you'll be every day looking at what's going on in the market, experiencing both yeah. the front end and back end, which puts you in a really unique position um, as founders to be able to cater the the social buff element, you know, when you when they do become not, it doesn't sound like they'd be two completely separate, but those two separate entities within the business, mm. it allows you to cater to your clients in a lot more transparent and dynamic way. Um, you know, I can imagine you rocking up to these meetings and be like, look, we've got six, six, uh, six like mini businesses, I guess you could call them within this that is doing exactly what you're doing. So we, we are the right people to work with. Um, yeah. For you as well. Does that allow you to, because I think one of the big things that founders have is one, a shiny object syndrome. I feel like every entrepreneur suffers with shiny object syndrome. Yeah. But does it also allow you to remain focused on that long-term vision of where social buff is at the moment? Because you know exactly where you want to go with it. Yeah. And um, this year, especially because we've grown um, so much more than our previous year um, in terms of revenue, but also the team has expanded. Um, what it's allowed me to do, what I like to call it is um, become the architect of your business instead of the builder. Mm, and oh, I, I think, that. I think a lot of founders get caught in this trap of being in the everyday yeah, um, and and it's a lot easier to be the architect of a um, a product-based business than it is to be um, an architect of a service-led business because there's some element of the clients wanting me and Aaron and then our team to kind of do the delivery of, of our always, ideas. service-based, there's always some element of that cap you mentioned. Exactly. So this does allow us to step out of the day-to-day -day if we build our own revenue streams, um, our own brands, but um, really focusing and honing in on the architecture of a business, especially in the last three months for me has been the biggest priority because we've now got stage where we've hired unbelievable talent who um, and our, our team are really at an incredible uh, standard and level of experience that actually we're more disruptive being in the day to day um, for them. Um, and we're actually, we're more pr productive and um beneficial to the team if if we focus on the architecture because then they can just continue delivering the great work that they do and Aaron and I can focus on the infrastructure um, and the the uh, um, the engine uh, as you will and building that engine um, while they take care of the day-to-day -day. and then that allows us to focus on the longer term um, and kind of take our take our thought process out of the day-to-day -day because sometimes you get so bogged down in, in the nuts and bolts that you don't get a chance to look at the bigger picture. Um, so that's definitely been something that I've had the luxury of last three months being able to focus on. And my co-founder Aaron is about, well, he's kind of transitioning into that as well. So yeah. we're hoping by the end of this year, the two of us will be entirely out of the business um, apart from taking sales calls and having uh, business development meetings um, with potentially new clients or partners. But in terms of client delivery, it's all taken care of now, which is great. Uh, yeah, that's a really interesting move. And for you as a founder, how does it feel that, you know, you've done this in quite a short space of time, let's remember, you know, 18 months, Social Buff has been around. Uh, yeah. and you guys are already setting yourself up for that three, four year vision already. How does that feel for you to be at this stage so quickly 
Um, I think if you had asked me two years ago, um, my response would have been quite surprised about how quickly we could have got here. Um, but now I'm here, it's actually, I needed to have a little bit more confidence in myself to know that I could do it. Um, previous to that, I probably would have gone, if you looked at our, you know, our monthly reoccurring revenue, I would have been like, we wouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it's more about, I think it's, it's getting into the mindset of if you have a vision and goal, uh, you have to follow up with the confidence to do it. You can't sit on, uh, you know, your laurels and you can't sit on um, those objectives and goals and not act on it. And um, I would much prefer to fail fast and act quickly on those failures to uh, be able to grow faster, but also more efficiently than to sit on ideas, discuss them for months on end and actually yeah. not act, act on it. And I think year one for us was a lot of conversation and year two for us has been a lot of action. But you need that's that's fantastic for you in your last business. Were you um were you sole founder or co-founder? Co-founder, and co -founder. I was I was MD, and my co-founder was creative director. Amazing for you. What's been the difference in relationship with your current co-founder Aaron as opposed to perhaps previous co-founders? Um, did you learn anything from those relationships to make sure that your current co-founder is and you and Aaron's relationship is so synced? Because it sounds like you guys work so well together. Yeah, so previous co-founder, um, I, I think one, we were, it was due to our age, our experience and expectations that probably related to the reason why I exited the business uh, because it's still continuing today and it's doing very well for itself. I just felt like um, at face value, we were good friends, and but behind the scenes when running a business as business partners, I didn't think it was as um, efficient as it needed to be. And there was a lot of frustration and there was a lot of kind of back and forth um, when it came to expressing that frustration. So I think if I had stayed in the business, the relationship would have been very different because we would have grown and nurtured that relationship and found a, a good kind of, um, I guess, uh, alignment and yeah, sweet spot in terms of how we work. Today with with Aaron and I, what I feel like is um, we're both very aligned on the bigger picture and the bigger picture goal. And we both bring very specific skill sets to the business. Um, and this is why I wholeheartedly would say that I have a very generalist um, uh, understanding and skill set of um, the sector that we're in and the clients that we work with. Um, I'm a jack of all trades, but where I'm really useful is actually from an operational perspective. Um, I'm very good at controlling a lot and managing a lot of moving parts and being able to um, bring like a consistent level of organization to that. Um, and I feel like I'm very good at understanding the multiple elements within a business to make it work. Aaron is, as well as a generalist, he's very, he, he's the marketer out of the two of us. He is a specialist between the relationship as co-founders. And without him, um, I don't think I would have got social buff to where it is. And I feel like the other way around probably at the same time. And that's why it works really well, yeah. because we have such a strong level of understanding where we sit between uh, each other in the business. And that's really helped us get to the next level. 
Um, it's really great to hear that because you often hear co-founders when they speak about each other. It's a, it's a little bit too blue sky. It's really nice to hear that you, you know exactly what your strengths are, exactly what your weaknesses are and vice versa, which obviously yeah. just completely reflects in, in social buff and, and where you want to take it and where you guys have gotten it too in it in that 18 months which is again like i said before before we went live in terms of you know there's a lot of marketing companies out there a lot of marketing agencies out there uh, and it is really refreshing once again that you are you have got that that different vision i guess we can call it that different approach uh, that completely aligns with mm. ensuring that social buff as a as an agency is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger with where you and Aaron are positioning yourself as founders and what you want to do with business B or whatever that side of the business you're eventually, I'm guessing you'll probably have a name for it. Some really funky. We name. do, we do <laughs> have a name, but I can't, I can't say it yet. Can't say I, it. You can tell yeah. me off there. You can tell me off there. I'll tell you off there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fine. Um, and, um, but that, that is really great to hear. Uh, and William, I think, like I said, it, it's so fantastic to see a founder such as yourself, building a business like Social Buff uh, and taking it where you want to take it. So I just want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for, thank your you for time. having me. No, thank you for coming on. And uh, I really do look forward to seeing Social Buff grow. And I cannot wait to see when you start with those those mini businesses or that funky name you're going to call it that I'm going to find out in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. No, thank you so much, William. And thanks everyone for listening and watching. This has been Founders 365.